Hello there, I'm Vic Baines. I'm Becky Pinker. And this is instalment two of Cyber Warrior Princess, which, um, you know, for those of you who've listened and have given us feedback, thank you, because you gave us the impetus to actually do it again. That's right. And to do it probably more quickly than we otherwise would have done. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. Um, I hope you all had a lovely Christmas, holiday break, Happy New Year 2019. The change of the year is actually a great time to be thinking about predictions well we have to say though right we were inspired by our, our good friend that we have now in the room with us here in today the room. i have to admit when i when i so i sent vic right i sent you this message i was like hey vic talk to dan dan thinks it would be cool if we did a predictions thing should we invite him on the show obviously without having talked to dan yet because i'm cool like that and i'm working with my co host here and then go back to Dan tell Dan after you said yes and Dan's like great it's almost like I didn't engineer that myself (laughs) (laughs) well yeah I mean sometimes you've got to try and push yourself onto a conversation to enable it to go forward and um, yeah great to be here I really enjoyed the first episode and um, yeah it's uh, you know it's good to see new podcasts new content new people and uh, new conversations yeah no well we're super excited about it yeah and uh, uh, shall we mention then right so you are the contributing editor Mm -hmm. InfoSec Magazine. Yeah, yeah so. InfoSec Security Magazine. And um, yeah, um, been there for how many years it's been now? <laughs> three, three or four years there. And uh, yeah, yeah, involved daily stuff, look at a lot of the news and uh, what's going on. And also, um, yeah, try and get involved in some of these kind of prediction things. So I've got some some notes in front of me from things we've done in previous years and also what we're doing, for, what we've seen for this year. So Hopefully you can share a bit of, uh, of knowledge on some of the work we've done at InfoSecurity and hopefully debunk most of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> well. Right, because the, the cliche is that, you know, predicting is difficult, especially the future. And when I think about tech and big tech and how disruptive that's been, by its very nature, we talk about tech as being disruptive, which means stuff will come out of left field that we didn't plan for, that we didn't expect. So Absolutely. I think this is a brilliant exercise mm-hmm. to be able to test some of the predictions that um, you and others have made in the past and say, right, well, how did that pan out? What was the stuff we didn't see? And, and from my perspective as a researcher, I'm really interested in learning what it was that stopped us seeing those things coming down the line, right? Yeah. Is, it, is it cultural that we didn't expect a certain thing? Did the technologies combine in a certain way that we couldn't have predicted? Were the criminals, as we sometimes suspect, a bit... Don't say smarter. Not smarter. (laughs) Earlier adopters. I think they're just willing to try anything, aren't they? They're like, ah, sling this wet spaghetti at the wall and see if it sticks. Whereas some Ah. of us maybe in the white hat profession are a bit more bound to rules, a bit more... Or maybe that's just me, but... (laughs) Well, I think the thing is, I mean, I've got the list in front of me, so this... At the start of last year, I picked up all the predictions from 2017's uh, emails and drew up a list of the most common trends. And it went to 11. Uh, the Spinal Tap fans will get why. <laughs> yes. And um, yeah, honestly, because there were just some, there were some good ones. And actually, I've, I've got the list in front of me. And number eight actually was criminals become more sophisticated. Uh, so we're already debunking that, are we? Okay. I well, think. yeah, because I just, I can't, I can't, I refuse to believe that they're more sophisticated. Hmm. I think perhaps, okay. 
I'm going to say it. We said it last time. We said it. Maybe we should make this a theme. We'll just bring up APT in every podcast. Can I just say, I'm still thinking about spaghetti security. <laughs> I think that's an addition in That's itself. the next podcast series is spaghetti yeah. security. But maybe it's where, so for a, all jokes aside for the moment, but with an APT type uh, threat, attacker style, whatever, you know, maybe where they're well-funded, they're well-resourced, you know, they've got nation-state driven initiative. Okay, maybe they're being a bit more serious. Mm, but how common all those? I don't think they are very common. No. Even though every single company wants you to believe, oh, we were attacked by a nation state yeah. actor. And for every you know research paper out on Fancy Bear and whatever their the other nicknames they are, and you know, Comfy Bear, Comfy Bear, Duvet Bear, Duvet Bear, <laughs> Flaming Comfy Bear. That's something else, Beck. I'm just saying. Um, you know, and we were one of the predictions that I've seen around criminals becoming more sophisticated is also about criminal use of AI. And when we play bingo on this podcast, we talk about AI, which is really machine learning, isn't Everyone it? Everyone knows it's machine learning. Um, I've seen the other side of that, which is AI as a cybersecurity solution. Mm-hmm. AI as an anti-money laundering, as an anti-fraud solution, which is brilliant. But if you neglect the fact that some criminals are going to be perfectly capable of stealing and using AI, even if they're not going to be developing their own machine learning, then we've got to be prepared for that arms race to escalate yeah. to that degree, I think. Now, whether that happens within the space of a year, that's the difficult thing to predict, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I guess, so at your list for last year, Dan, mm. what, how did AI fare on there? AI actually was number five. These weren't in any particular order, by the way. These were sort of the most popular ones picked um, 11 trends. Number five actually was AI and machine learning. Now that's probably just from the predictions that this is going to become more popular, but any CISOs, any IT security managers, architects, whichever level you're at, any any sysadmins, how much has the job changed in the last 12 months? I think it's probably not a lot. I mean, there's probably drivers out there that have changed things. Most of them negative, let's be honest. Most people look at uh, you know the various breaches around, uh, you know, that hit the headlines, and you think that's something that can drive it, but does that really make you think, right, let's rip it all out and start again? Yeah. We're all, yeah, sorry, we're going to, we're going to total SAS now. That's not going to happen. So I think the thing with AI machine learning, people probably went to conferences last year and thought, let's try and learn a bit more about it, but did it change the way people work? I don't think so. And I think some of that goes back to your point around, you know, a lot of companies and in, in infrastructures, they've got commoditized stuff in there and it's mm. expensive to replace that stuff, mm. you know? So not only do they have to be able to pay for it, they've got to be able to resource it in order to drive the changes and do the transformation. Mm. But then they've got to have a, um, a, a big enough reason to do so. And if the reason for like a lot of the AI platforms, I am not going to mention any names. Those of you that know me know who I'm talking about already. I know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. But, but for those companies that are out there, right, there are so many other ways of getting to the same solution with products that are out there, products mm-hmm. that are working, products that have been heavily invested in and heavily resourced, and they're simply not going to make the change until you show them a big enough bang for the buck. And it's also back to the bums on seats discussion, right? You need the people to make the sense of the data and the intelligence Absolutely. that you're getting. Um, and for me, I think what never changes is that when we see some of the biggest breaches, those breaches aren't always the most sophisticated. We're really looking at the 2018, 2019 equivalent, or even sometimes just a repeat of the USB in the car park. 
yeah. or somebody mm. clicking on a phishing email. Yeah. yeah, it's just that now what we're seeing because we're all much more connected than we, you know, to kind of critical infrastructure than we were ten years ago, is that clicking on the phishing email can bring down some traffic lights, or you know, um, can bring down an airline's website, yeah. for instance. Yeah, um, and and those, it's the impacts, if you like. That I well, think and are, we saw the shift from BEC to what do they call it? EAC? Is that the new acronym now? Yeah. Email account compromise. So it's gone from a very business focused, executive right. level focused um, oh, compromise see. through BEC to now EAC because you know they're sending out Google Drive links, they're sending out OneDrive fake looking messages. Yeah. You know, anything they can do to get anyone to click on that link yeah. and compromise those credentials. That's it. It doesn't need to. Be be a CEO's account, does yeah. it? It just needs—it's yeah. it's any point of entry into an organisation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's just less targeted attacks. EAC to put BEC. I think it's it's yeah. So BEC, the way at least from my tiny little brain, but the way I always looked at it is BEC was something that was company specific. Yeah, very focused, mm. almost like spear phishing for mm. you know email compromise. And then EAC is yeah, we're going to take this thing again, make it look like I don't know Microsoft. Is it OneDrive? They have Microsoft OneDrive. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm putting the two together there. And uh, yeah, you know, make it look like a pretty little Microsoft thing. Tag it into an Azure database somewhere and send people an Azure link and people. Are like, oh yeah, is your Microsoft on that? I'll click on that all day long, sure. Mm. And you know, boom, they're in. But it's some Joe Blow random person that lives in, you know, I don't know, Waxahachie, Texas. So <laughs> was that selected at random? Yeah. It was. Was that, that good? Was quite specific. Yeah. Well, I am from Texas, so it figures I would. What pick would be that. our UK equivalent of that? I'd like to say Utoxiter. That's the first thing that's come <laughs> up in in my mind. I've always. I'd have to think of. What was it called again? Waxahachie. Waxahachie. Like Everyone, was... everyone's going to be googling. Yeah. Waxahachie. How, how do you spell it? <laughs> well, wax, of course. Yeah. A hatchie. Wax. It's like an instruction. That's <laughs> Beck, That's not spelling. That's just saying it again. It's good thing I'm not on the Wi-Fi. I can't Google it. W a x a h a c h i e. I think. Right. Yeah. Now you're a... making me question myself. If you're listening and you are from Waxahachie, Texas, please tweet us. Please tweet us, but also please don't take it personally. Yeah. No, um, I just we're not. There's no comment made about your levels of cybersecurity. I could have easily picked on Paris, Texas. Right. <laughs> I think is that a place? Yeah, a real place. of course it is. It's a real place. That was a film, isn't it? Yeah. Was it? I don't know about the film. <laughs> it might also be real, yeah. even if it is in a film. Anyway, we we digressed a bit. Yeah. So. um one of the things that we've touched on, and we also touched on in, in the, I was going to say the last program. Let's call it a program. Yeah. Like that. Um, that we spoke about in the last program is about the publicity of breaches. Mm. Now, back when I started in cybersecurity and... <laughs> what year was that, Vic? I couldn't quite hear that. <laughs> um, cyber was something that we couldn't get people engaged in. Yeah. Nobody cared. The media didn't really care. Um, ordinary citizens, businesses didn't really care. Um, for me, something that really changed in 2018 was people started to care about this stuff. And I think, to be honest, things like WannaCry really built up to that. Yeah. That when ransomware means your medical appointment is cancelled, yes. that feels immediate. It feels like something you can care about as an ordinary citizen. Yeah. Um, last year, we had major breaches um, and we've started to see for instance in the UK the information commissioner's office fining large companies as much as they can so the half mm. a million pounds you know maximum mm. fine and that has been big news bigger than it ever was before we also had the introduction of uh, the implementation of GDPR yeah, yeah. 
and all of the hype around that, you know, quote unquote, are you GDPR ready? And of mm-hmm. course, the answer to that is, I don't know. No. Yeah. <laughs> we, one of the big things we saw the regulation this year, we'll see the fines next year. I think. Well, that was certainly one of the predictions. Yeah, we for 2018 was GDPR was one of the big ones, and we actually look at what we did for 29 prediction, sorry, 2019 predictions. Um, one of was the first big GDPR fine yeah. at the time of recording. There's been one fine, which I think was in Germany. Yeah, uh, was it n- noodles, nuddles, something like that? I don't know how you say Bell, it. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember exactly what it, who it was. It was like 20,000 euros or something. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it, I think everyone out there hoping for the big, you know, 4% global 4%. turnover. Yeah, because that's the fine. Threat, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, hoping for that. We're maybe a little disappointed. But, but certainly GDPR, and also yeah, one of our predictions for 2018 was breaches getting worse. You could argue... And the problem often with a lot of data breaches is often you look at it and okay, you start drilling down to what happened. It could be from years ago, mm. actually, before you find out. And I think the yeah. um, I'm trying to think of a few examples. Well, the Marriott one's great, right? Yeah. Marriott, they're mm. saying, yeah, uh, 2018 may have been 2014 when mm. this happened. Well, Target was, was six months before <laughs> yeah. uh, Brian Krebs published some information on it. So you could say, oh, the 20, I think it was 2014, I think, or 15 that it got disclosed but it's like 2013 yeah, it all happened so happened. these GDPR fines actually are going to have to be relevant to the year it, in, in the GDPR era so it could be two or three years before we really before see we this see yeah. but then also of course within GDPR you've got a notification requirement yes. so as soon as, well. as you become yeah. aware of it mm. you then have to notify within 72 hours that sounds yeah. right. Oh my yeah. God, I know people who are experts at this are going yeah, to slow Yeah, and I'm, us. I'm supposed to be. Right, wait, I'm looking awful? at you here. But when you actually start talking about it, you're saying, hang on, I haven't got it in front of me. Yes. And um, so, so are we going to start to see prosecutions specifically and fines specifically for the fact I, that... You know what? I don't aware. think they got enough people to do that. I think they're so mm. focused. Have you actually tried to put it... Because I, to to, um, I tried to speak to a live chat person on the ICO's website last week on the back of my own data breach incident, which happened through my accountant. I'm not going to release any more details on that. Mm. But yeah, oh. so basically I filed my own little you know complaint thingy. And uh, as part of that process, it was like, I'm sorry, we don't have enough resource to help you or to accommodate right. you, please. And I thought this is it this is exactly what everyone in the business has been talking about you know they're so focused on everything that's now inbound they're going to have to cherry pick and prioritize what they can help with and I think that's what we're seeing Um, and getting that down to kind of the front line of large businesses as well customer service etc is is going to be a real challenge as well and I saw that through my own experience over Christmas I got an invoice from a big hotel chain saying thanks very much for staying with us in Brazil Um, and I said I rang them up and I said look I'm sorry but I've not been to Brazil since 2008 I think (laughs) and I said that wasn't me Uh, how has this happened oh well someone's added your email address um, to their hotel booking I said right have I been charged is there some kind of weird yeah. scam what's going the on card here? You have the, and what's the CBD? I had to push this a number of times, and I, but I did. I dropped the GDPR bomb did in the you? conversation, mm. and I but said, did they know what it "I'm meant? sorry, but under the General Data Protection Regulation, you do have to tell me what's happened here yeah. because I've drawn it to your attention. 
you also, when I ask you to remove my data, you have to you do have that to. because yeah. I haven't given my consent for you to store it. Mm-hmm. I'm still working this through. A number of weeks later, I'm still getting them to care about oh, it. Yeah. But see, that's the perfect example. So here we are, security professionals who mm. should have a reasonable understanding of this and how to deal with it, you know, still working through it, me having questions about it, also getting hit, you know, as part of these overall incidents as well. I'm sure you've had something pop up for yourself, Dan. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get emails um Every now and again, you know, you, you, your email address was tied with this. Now, I've got a couple of uh, webmail email addresses, but, you know, you think, okay, is there any value to that? But then, you know, I've had some jobs in this industry since I started <laughs> in, in about, uh, in 08, and I could think of, you know, and every now and again, you think, like, well, that email address is tied up in that data breach. And I'm like, well, I've got at least four work email addresses, probably some of which aren't live anymore, but they might be redirected. I've got a couple of webmail addresses, and it's like, actually, do I, what's the impact now? And, you think, okay, well, well, that's a real problem. And then actually, I do go on to the Have I Been Pwned website and I look at, and I put my email address in and I'm like, you're involved in the MySpace breach. And I'm like, well, that was, I mean, that was some right. time ago. But yeah, you think, well, so was, so was MySpace. But you think, okay, well, that was tied up. Then you, yeah, but then I'm on LinkedIn and that, that had a breach. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But apparently I've never had notification about that. So was I just not caught up? Um, and I think the know, short answer is... Yeah. Is be paranoid. Yeah, I agree. Well, you've got the options, haven't you? You, yeah. you either be paranoid and presume you have been been caught up, or you have this this problem of fatigue where you think, oh, it's more you know more rubbish that I don't need to consider because I'm worried everyone's already been hacked or you know, haven't found out yet yeah. or whatever the common line on it. So it doesn't it's, matter. So it doesn't matter anyway. It's only a matter of time. And let's all just live and yeah, not worry about it. So. Yeah, you got that. You got the two sides of it, really. Do you be paranoid and you think, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out, I'm, I'm exposed to the world, and everyone can contact me. Yeah. This, this thing about, I'm sure, we'll get onto the Germany thing uh, that mm. happened. And one of the things I read, Angela Merkel's email address got out there, and I'm like. Yeah, but I know what Theresa May's email, Theresa May, because it's public. Yes, <laughs> that's not yeah. that big of a deal. That made me yeah. think, so what? Is that, that the level we're talking about here? People's email addresses? Is it her MySpace email address? Well, that, that's <laughs> good, yeah, yeah. Merck's 03, yeah. And, and actually, you know, when you break doxing down as a phenomenon, mm. and, and for those of you who aren't hip with the kids about the terminology, the unauthorised release of information, mm. and particularly personally identifiable information, you know, there's a certain type of doxing that's just relying on open source intelligence anyway. Oh, it's just, yeah. it's Googling Plus mm-hmm. that gets you that information. It's aggregating the data that can yeah. make it valuable. Um, but I, th- I think what really interests me about doxing is that we've got multiple motivations at play. So this guy who, and it seems to be an ongoing investigation in Germany, but the guy who's been helping police with their inquiries with, you know, the BKA in Germany. Right. You know, so far there doesn't seem to be any kind of indication that this is a criminal mastermind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there are reasons why, you know, kind of WikiLe- WikiLeaks style um, there are reasons why people just want to expose information to embarrass them, but equally yeah. it can be used for extortion purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what I'm seeing, what really interests me, is that the lines between the different types of criminal activity are getting a bit more blurred, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's it's not necessarily how it was five, six years back, where you were anonymous, you were a hacktivist, you were doing this stuff because you had an axe to grind or a political point to make, or you were a financially motivated cyber criminal group. Yeah. Mm. 
it's not so easy, I think, now to distinguish well, between. It, yeah, those I mean, I, does lines. a criminal really care? Maybe is the first question. <laughs> and then the mm-hmm. second question is, you know, is it financially motivated or is it motivated, yeah, from a hacktivist perspective, for example? Mm-hmm. And then maybe that's where sort of the breakdown happens from their perspective. That's two very clear sides because then you've got like the classic sort of anonymous lolzsteg sort of thing of doing this for a political agenda. So those of us cast our minds back to when Anonymous first really first came on the scene was around uh, Operation Sony because of I can't remember the exact reasons why but they also they, they took out they hit PayPal it was a movie wasn't it there was a movie that was made and the Koreans got mad oh, at that it was, and, yeah, well, that that's was, it that's, that's yeah, different that's Mark 2 oh yeah, yeah. Anonymous was Operation Sony and I probably should look this up before I started saying it but, uh, <laughs> this is how this thing works we <laughs> yeah, can yeah. start the sentence but another thing they did was they took down PayPal because PayPal stopped taking donations to us for a song from uh, WikiLeaks right, right, back right. when people thought yeah, that yeah. was a good thing to do yeah. and um, and then LulzSec were taking down uh, they took down Sony as well Sony PlayStation Network I mm. think and also Sony Pictures I think they hit so yeah the Sony Pictures hit on the interview was the film you talked about yes, um, that was uh, yeah, right. Guardians of Peace if I think yes, they were that called. may have been associated with a nation state yes <laughs> I think it really came out about that I don't know maybe I should probably look into that but I still, yeah. but for me I think it's slightly different what I'm seeing in the last few years is actually we say that there are distinctions between what's politically and ideologically motivated and what's financially motivated. But I'm seeing much more of a blur than they used to be. Really? So if we take something like doxing, Mm. there are financial reasons why you might dox data or threaten to dox data. Yeah. But there are also just, you know, it is something that a, a, a hacker motivated kid We'll do because you've got kids on these video games doxing each other. You know, mm. we come mm. across that kind of stuff all the time, where basically people have released information about some kid mm. who's pissed them off on one of these games that they can, you know, join together and form their little squadrons or battalions or whatever they call them. Yeah, my kid tries to get me to play, and I'm like, no, I'm not touching that Thank game. You. I was showing Fortnite a few months ago, actually, for the first time, and you can imagine a bunch of people in their forties trying to figure out how to play this. And one of my friends goes, oh yeah, my nine year old showed me how to do it, and I'm just yeah. like, yeah, I need nine year old to show me what because I. I was uh, flying through some I did the, through the air. I'm like, when do I fight someone? Yeah. I told my son, I was like, why am I attached to a parachute? Yeah. I was like, that's taking you to the drop zone. I was like, how do you know what a drop zone is? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that, funny enough, video gaming wasn't in our big threats. <laughs> I don't really know it's, um, how it fits in, though. I mean, it, surely there must be some element there of of expertise in attack online versus doing it for, right. for real. So and this is so um, Call of Duty mm-hmm. was a particular favourite with um, people training uh, for IS. Uh, yes. Huh. Yes. I had not so, heard of that. Yeah. Interesting. Online is that gaming for the realistic is, is, effects of it or is that more for speed, quickness, agility of mind yeah, and eye and tra- Kind of shoot 'em up training. Okay. Interesting. But also de- desensitizing ah. putting you in the position where you would take those kinds of decisions oh that's mm. interesting so was this make you the kind of person who would shoot that person in front of you huh I have not seen anything predicting or talking about no. sort of further. I think video games kind of died off a right. little bit. So this is big. this is where one of my pet subjects comes in, ah. which is VR. VR, I knew it. VR. Yeah. So mm. last year we saw a big development in terms of wire-free VR headsets. This year we've got various companies. You know, the, the big companies are working on reducing latency. Uh-huh. So you're actually going to get 
a more photorealistic experience, right. a genuinely more immersive experience. And some of the reviews of those by the, you know, the, the gadget folks are saying, right, this year could be the tipping point where really persuasive VR and immersive VR hits the masses. Because, of course, it's been out there for a while. It's just... It, you know, the frame rate and, and all of that has been a little bit clunky. There's been nausea yeah. involved. But what I'm seeing commercially uh, are a lot of mashups between companies like, um, you know, the motor industry between Audi and Disney yeah. to deliver a kind of VR experience when you're in a car. Mm. Um, now, for me, even looking at it from a physical safety perspective, there are all sorts of things that companies are having to think about. Yeah. Tech companies... Um, motor companies, retail companies are having to think about things to do with physical safety, nausea, yeah. uh, liability when people fall over, liability when mm. people open the car mm. door on a motorway. We can even trust know. people to walk and carry their smartphone and look at that at the same time. We right, trust yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So uh, one of the things I'm really interested in are what are the norms, what are the new rules of the road when you put people in a 360-degree environment that they think they're really yes. in. Yes, yeah, yeah. And we've mentioned Call of Duty. You know, you can kill somebody in Call of Duty. Mm. You know, how are we going to stop people hurting each other in, in VR? VR? Particularly because we have haptic technology yeah. that's being patented so that people can touch each other. Uh-huh. This is my favourite subject at the moment. Um, but the reason I mention it is that there are various things that are converging right now. So social in VR is being pushed. VR to businesses is being pushed. And then the hardware itself is getting lighter, it's getting more comfortable, it's less nauseating, and it should be coming soon. The problem is that we've been talking about it for the last five or six years, Mm, saying it's coming, Mm. it's coming. That's kind of how I feel about the quantum computing stuff that we talked about too, though, because I know you and I had gotten onto the VR thing last time and we talked about the privacy aspect to Mm. it and we talked about the concerns around how we deal with data, how we deal with conversations that happen there versus outside of that environment. And then we switched into quantum computing because to me that was also an environment that feels like it's been on a tipping point or feels like it's been on a leading edge for several years now. And then um, you had just mentioned the CES announcement with IBM. And what did you say? 20 qubits, I guess. 20 qubit commercial, commercially available. I mean, that's insane. The thing, though, that I think is interesting is, yeah, it's, oh, 2019, it's coming. It's finally here. Everyone's like, what are we going to do with it? Yeah. <laughs> right. That's, that's always, it's like AI going back. Yeah, circling back on that. With quantum computing, it's like, okay, it's going to happen. I remember talking about it you know, many years, but 2015, it's, it's going to come this year. Mm, and I'm like, yeah. Well, we're four years on, right? This is the first conversation I've had since. <laughs> first, I've heard of it since. Yeah. But that's and it. Yeah, that's just it. So in yeah. security, we're not paying attention to the quantum safe component to this stuff. Mm. And exactly. it's a conversation I actually got involved in. I, I got fortunate enough to, got, to get invited along to a, a Wired um, podcasty thing. Mm-hmm. And we talked about quantum. But one of the things that came up is companies, apparently, uh, governments especially, are hoovering up encrypted data now mm. with the full expectation that they're going to be able to decrypt anything they want to decrypt as soon as this stuff becomes commercialized and they get their hands on the kind of kit to be able to do it. So one of my predictions is as we come into 2019, companies are going to have to start paying more attention to quantum safe encryption, quantum safe computing. They're going to have to think about it more realistically. So is this like the situations where 
uh, we know governments want to get access to WhatsApp, for example, and things like that. Is it that kind of breaking that sort of encryption with quantum crypto? Is that quantum so, encryption? Well, obviously, I'm not, a, I'm not a guru at this stuff, but my, from my limited high-level understanding, what we're really faced with is going to be the break for any type of encryption standard that has depended upon factorization of mm. large prime mm. numbers, mm. for example. So any type of encryption where we've had a capability that says, our computers aren't strong enough to figure this out right now, mm. therefore it's great encryption. It's you the, know? the basic processing. Yes. Yeah. So once we get this quantum, and to your point, a commercial system, uh, because I'm sure governments already have their hands on this stuff. There are universities out there that have already been manufacturing, you know, uh, qubit capable systems to process instructions and give them instructions. And people have been looking at quantum safe encryption protocols and they are accessible. But because we're not talking about it in the security industry, people aren't making it aware. Companies don't know about this. We're not educating ourselves in security across this important. And, thing. and once mm-hmm. quantum crypto, so if we're, if I'm going to make a prediction, I do, I do know how the kind of the public policy pattern works, right? Yeah. So once we have quantum crypto, as opposed to quantum decryption, yeah. right? then we're going to be back where we are already. So there's going to be, the, potentially, there could be a brief period where we can decrypt encrypted communications yeah. using quantum. But then there will be quantum encryption. Yeah. Mm. Quantum safe encryption algorithms. Yeah. And then and then we'll be back where we are now, which is, oh, we haven't got the power. Yeah. We, we, we haven't got the ability yeah. to well, get to these Again, is that going to happen in 2019? Are we going to see the big surge, you know, that I think personally we need to see around it? Um, so I'm really intrigued to see how that one's going to ride on it. I think that one could just play out. I think, you know, we, we could just wait and see on that. I don't think anyone can say it's definitely going to happen. It's not like you know, we can presume about, about some things, like breaches getting worse or a GDPR fine. Those may happen. Mm. I think with quantum, it, it's probably going to happen. It just it could be this, this feels year, more next like year, the year a, after. Who knows? Right? It feels more like a mega trend, yeah. right? Yeah. So we know that um, information security and decrypting communications, whether that's brute force, whether it's criminal, whether it's legit, that's the arms race piece again, isn't yeah. it? Which is we have this security, we break the security. We get better security, we break the better security. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a continuum as far as, as I see That's it. That's job security. That's what I always say. <laughs> I used to have a boss. Yes. Who, he, he will know who he is if, I've, if, I've, uh, if I say this. And he used to say, there's enough cybercrime for everybody, Victoria. <laughs> I don't think we're going to run out of cybercrime anytime soon. No, I mean, yeah, we Probably can go to the, the basis of cybersecurity, which is there's always someone trying to get what you've got. Ultimately, and, you know, your place as a defender and uh, using defensive tools and actually... Yeah, that's never going to end because it goes back thousands of years of people trying to steal something that you got that they haven't. Absolutely, yeah, and yeah, yeah. But no, nothing's going to change that. So Not even I, AI. One of the recent stats I saw again was looking at a whole litany of predictions and things. And one of the recent stats I saw said ninety-five percent of computer um, crime. Computer was it crime? Computer. Ah, oh, what was the word? I've computer already crime up. is when you steal a computer. Oh, no, no, I've already screwed up my stuff. <laughs> 95% of basically breaches, issues, security yeah. problems, right, are human caused. And I was like, oh, that's a big number. Now, I would, I would say 
that definitely a fair proportion of them are. But how on earth do you get to that number? Well, obviously, it's all made up, right? It, it's the rain man of stats. 47, you know. It's 84% <laughs> of statistics are made no, up. Yeah. Yes. Eight out of 10 cats said. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I get what you mean because it, it's got an element of the, the person is in the mix somewhere. As so you think about, was it the equi... Mm-hmm. Experian, I want to make sure I get the right one. Um, With apologies to Equifax and Experian if we've got the wrong. I one. think I think it was Equifax, yeah. but that, their their thing was that the Apache struts vulnerability which caused that, and someone didn't apply the patch. And didn't, yeah. Now. Unless you've automated your patching, that comes down to a person. There's the human in the air. And WannaCry was all about patching processes, the impact yeah. on the NHS. Well, the not that patch was, thing was about someone yeah. decided to do this update with this Ukrainian accountancy, uh, accountancy software. Accountancy company, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. so someone's done that. So you could argue that there's a person in, but... Yeah, to say the human, well, 95%. I, the only thing I could relate it back to, so again, talking about things that happened last year, was the Brazilian breach, mm. which we had mentioned before. And they had, I think it was 120 million records exposed, mm. uh, national identity records. And according to uh, some figures and things I've seen, that's probably half the population of Brazil. So basically every one in two Brazilians you pass in the street, you know, it's like, hey, you, good job, you. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> you know. Uh, but then also we had the India thing. So the Indian yeah. folks mm-hmm. had their bre- so the Brazil one, Turkey as I understood as well, it, I think. yeah, but mm-hmm. the Brazil one was down to a mistake. So mm-hmm. HTTP, you know, uh, inappropriate uh, processes, something happened on the website, exposed a bunch of stuff. The India one, as I understand it, had to do with a very sort of specially crafted patch that was created and sent out to Indian users. I think it was through WhatsApp or something. Mm. Hey, install this to your, you know, security settings for your national database app or whatever it is that you, that basically then exposed all of their data. Mm. So two very different takes on it. Well, I see the first one as human caused, right? Mistake on a web server. Mm-hmm. The second one as an actual security attack. So following that thought through, if we're saying that people are quite often the weakest link. I think that's what we're saying. AI is a fantastic solution because you take people out of it. If only we could figure out how to do AI. <laughs> the robot's the weakest link. The yeah, there you go. I, I, let's just go for full Skynet. I'm up for this. What oh, could possibly I've go been wrong? i for Skynet for so long, man. Linda Hamilton was so good in those movies. And I know she will come back and say you know, You know, that wasn't real. <laughs> Like we, I, we've had this conversation before. Like <laughs> the things in the one. movies, they're not all, re- they're not all real. They are making a new one. Yeah, with her in it. <gasps> yeah, I hadn't heard that. Really, I saw a picture with her. I bet she can't do chin-ups like she did though. <laughs> that was from 1992. Yeah. <laughs> I was not like I'm doing 1992 that I could do, vice versa. <laughs> Sorry, we digress again. That was my fault. No, I, I'm so. For obviously, you can't see that I'm staring out into space. I'm staring out into space, not because I'm unimpressed with Beck's conversation on this, but simply that I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if I can still do chips. <laughs> And I suspect I can't. That's there was a brief period of about six months, impressive. about ten years ago, very impressive, where I could do. Some chin-ups. A chin-up. In the same way that, you know, there was a brief period round about then when I could do some press-ups. <laughs> that period is gone. That's all right. We use our we use our, our efforts in other more energetic brain-like ways. Brain chin-ups. <laughs> brain chin-ups. That's a prediction for 2019. How many Dan, brain? Dan, I feel we've done you a disservice. No, no. Because you did all. some genuine research. Well, no, I've just been reading off. I mean, I've, there's... 
uh, a couple of articles from a year ago, which I did for Info Security about looking back at the, the predictions from the end of 2017 for what we predict for 2018. Mm. And I've referred to some of those already, GDPR, AI, sophistication. Um, there's always ones that buzz around. The only ones that gets me, I see every single year, is mobile threats. More mobile malware, mm. more mobile this. And I'm like, so I've been covering cyber since 2008 now, so I've probably seen this 10, 11 years, how many Christmases I've done. Um, and every year, more mobile malware. I hate saying it, more mobile malware. Um, and it's... it's <laughs> yeah, it's too, too many M's, isn't it's there? It's a mouthful. And uh, <laughs> it, it's... Yeah, have we ever seen... I don't, I don't know what we've seen that so, constitute mobile so malware. So I think... And this is this is only a wager. It's pure speculation. I think this is the kind of thing that matters more in certain parts of the world than it does in others. Mm. So for those parts of the world that are have rapidly connected to the internet and are still rapidly connecting to the internet, where people have gone from, in some cases, having no landline telephone mm-hmm. to using WhatsApp every minute. Yes. And where there is a big SMS-based yeah. communications industry, where mobile payments have absolutely taken off and yeah. leapfrogged other parts of the world, that where, it's, where it's yeah. mobile dependent, we would expect to see, wouldn't we, more mobile malware. No, it's, a, it's an interesting thought. I mean, I certainly could uh, appreciate that perspective and agree with it for sure. I think the other thing to think about is where we haven't had that, right? We've all had this transition. Mm. So we've had the phones. We've had the, you know, the horrible older computers with the old dial-up modems and all that. You know, we've transitioned then into the bulky car handsets. You yeah. know? We've mm. been with that. We've ridden that. I think nowadays the problem that we come down to with mobile malware um, outside of those types of areas you're talking about, regions where it is the only way of communicating, is that we we have um, perhaps more difficulties around the privacy issues with mm-hmm. some malware. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily malicious malware per se, but ma- but, but but software mobile um, apps that are taking advantage of your privacy, privacy yeah. um, versus not, and whether or not you're going to take the time to dig into it. And the adware side yeah. of things. So see, well. I think we'll continue yeah. to see a surge on that aspect of mm. it. But I don't know about the mobile because we trust the stores, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, come on, Apple Store, do me a good one here, right? Solid for me, man. Keep yeah. it secure. Mm-hmm. You know, Android, maybe not so I was much. Say, that <laughs> depends on the store, doesn't it? As yeah. well, and we we see that we see that there's you know bad apps. There's a greater preponderance for bad apps on one store rather than some of the others. Yeah, although the Apple guys, they had what it was a few weeks ago. They had some things get onto the site. Yeah, before. I heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and. Um, yeah, you are putting the trust in the apps that you download. You're putting the trust in the, the permissions that you grant it. Um, and, yeah, that does come down to privacy. And obviously, if you download an app that then the owner of that then maybe isn't as honest as they could have been and then does things to your phone. I would call that malware. I think malware, I think your typical kind of... Zeus banking Trojan, I think of your kind of your almost your, like your Conficker. I mean, going back way retro mm. here, but those kind of things. That's what I'm thinking. Nothing's ever come around and wiped everybody's phones yeah. that I can. It's been wiper malware, even not Petri was a wiper malware, but nothing that I can think of for a phone. Yeah, that gets predicted every year. More malware. Yeah, don't edit that. Don't edit that. Yeah, don't, That's don't been my favourite bit so far. <laughs> 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 my miles are going to be really big in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite of the WWW, you see. Just upside down. Oh, yes. Oh, there's, there's a whole philosophical discussion to be there had is. about that. Is it the opposite? 
turn the world web upside down what have you got more no, 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 no. <laughs> oh my god we are not actively drinking right now i no. just want to make that it's we should be though. I am. we should do this later i am we should, or are you, you think, so I, I thought it was water yeah. in that bottle <laughs> um dan is there anything that you feel we've left out well the big one i i feel so this was certainly from the 2018 predictions for say for 2018 number one was ransomware now the mm. reason why is because 2017 yes. we had one yes, cry yes. not petcha uh, and there was a couple of other sort of lesser so uh, it just felt like it was only going to get bigger well that, that and that's a very it's a bit of a lazy prediction to make because it's like okay what was big oh we're going to see more of that yeah. now we'll heart to another podcast uh, security podcast risky business I think episode 521 I think it was yeah. they did an interview with Proofpoint who was a sponsor for that and their interview said that this ransomware is actually going to kind of decline because people just don't really know how to work with Bitcoin. That's your average mm-hmm. person on the street. Yeah. Um, they don't know how to have a Bitcoin wallet. They don't know how to spend and, and, and get a coin and spend everyone. Bitcoin still the value of 2017 Christmas when it was like 30000 yeah, Nobody could afford it. No one could afford it. So, yeah, they think, I don't understand this. We've well, had a ton of hacks in Bitcoin as well, which mm-hmm. means that even amongst your criminal groups, yeah. it's not necessarily as bankable as it has been. Yeah. A couple of years back mm. as well. So I think that's an interesting trend. And the certainly the prediction in that interview was we'll see more banking Trojans. So yeah. I just mentioned right. use. There's one. Um, maybe just because on the criminal side, if they're running a malicious campaign that people can't figure out how to pay, and then they follow the general advice of don't pay your ransom. Yeah. The ransom. I'm not saying ransomware is declining, but it certainly might not be as hugely prevalent as we've seen before. I mean, WannaCry. It's been mentioned once already. The reason why it was so popular is because it had such a massive impact upon so many businesses, but it was, you know, it was gone within 36 hours, really. And to be honest, before cryptocurrency became so prevalent in cyber criminal misuse, we did used to see ransomware where the payout was via other means, you know, Mm. so kind of money transfer services and yeah. things like that yeah, yeah. and then so they used the to send people to, to drop off points to collect so they'd have a money mule type of person yeah. in the yeah. middle yeah. so what's yeah. the so the thing we should be watching for is what's the next financial enabler well mm. uh, so we we saw a surge and I know Dan we had mentioned this earlier as well so we have seen a surge in crypto mining mm. right so mm. a, a lot of that type of activity has transitioned to you know what no user dependency here mm-hmm. right there's no one that has to get in the middle of this we can basically either mine it ourselves off of someone else's resource or we can just try to steal directly from an ICO or you know some other poor unsuspecting platform that perhaps doesn't have the best security measures in place but yeah, I think attackers have made a big shift there because they they've taken the middleman out of it. You know what? Yeah. We're not going to rely on the human either. They're a weak link for our activities too. So we're just going to circumvent those guys and go straight to mining it ourselves. And for any mm. budding cyber criminals out there, if you would like to know <laughs> more to this, yeah. about, <laughs> about how to do this stuff, <laughs> Beck is available for consultancy. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I think is that a good point to finish? I think we should. I think we should kind of We've wrap this one scatter up. Grand, scatter for the, all of it for the sake of the listening public, who I'm reliably informed cannot possibly listen to anything beyond forty five. Well, minutes. I refuse to. So yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> we can always have you back, Dan. I'm available for uh, you know anybody who asks me and intercepts me on Twitter and says thanks for liking our podcast. Do you want to come on the next one? <laughs> but can we just leave the audience with basically here's a tip as to how to get Dan Raywood on your show? Oh, yeah. yeah, just 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 you know kind of let him tweet and then go. Well, that's the best idea we've heard all week. Why don't you come in and do it? <laughs> 
find it's a date the only spray. idea yeah. we've had this week in your cup oh brilliant and on that note thank you so much Dan you're Absolute welcome pleasure. thanks yeah. both of you for having me on it's been a real pleasure thank you mate it's lovely to have you and um, for the next show tune in next yeah. time where we will have taken a suggestion of somebody Absolutely. else in the intervening time if you want to chat give us a shout <laughs> bye now see ya <laughs>